morning to you all. It's uh, always good. I like to be up here. I get to see who's all here this morning and who's not, and I take notes. And uh, I, I love it. I love to see. Uh, I love to see so many attentive faces. Hopefully, we have the same number of attentive faces at the end of our time together, and uh, and a few faces I don't recognize. So welcome here. I'm glad all of you have chosen to uh, to gather at this place to worship our God together, and we're going to worship through learning from his words, through some Proverbs. And, and we're going to play another round of wise and otherwise. I hope you're not getting uh, too tired of these sayings yet. But here are a few other Proverbs from other cultures around the world. Like this Latvian saying, her heart takes after the mugwort. And I'm not sure what a mugwort is. Sounds like something from Harry Potter. I'm not sure. There is an old Persian saying, carpentry is no trade for a monkey. Not exactly sure what trade would be suitable for a monkey, but uh, didn't say. There's an old Nigerian saying, oh, my banjo has no bells on it. I thought that was more like a current Saskatchewan saying, but I could be wrong. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, there's an old Arabic saying, when the robbery was done, the dog woke up. That has some ring of truth to it for all of you who own dogs that are terrible guard dogs. And last but not least, there's an old Hindu saying, the brains are not in the beard. (laughs) I try to find one beard-related saying every week, and so far, so good. Here we go. So, of course, these are not the Proverbs we're going to look to for our wisdom. We're going to the book of Proverbs and Scripture, and, and we're going to be talking about this topic of work. And as I was preparing uh, the, the message, which hopefully is, is always my goal, is to reflect what I believe uh, the, the, the Scripture is saying. What Proverbs says is there's nothing groundbreaking here, earth-shattering. This, these are all lessons probably that you've heard your parents tell you. Uh, they're simple. They're straightforward concepts about this idea of work. And yet, to, to gloss over this would be to do a disservice to Proverbs, because as you read through that book, you'll find that the topic of work, and, and really this idea of speaking against laziness, comes up over and over and over again. And so if we are to do a true survey of Proverbs, something we're trying to do here, we need to talk about work. And as simple and straightforward as these concepts may be, my hope is that we will really allow these ideas to, to maybe take a, a seat in our hearts. And, and again, as much as these are not self-help talks, they are certainly things that we can go and we can do. And we can be good, godly people who work in the way that Scripture designs and desires us to work. And that is our hope. And so what does Proverbs have to say on this idea of work? Well, quite a bit, actually. And, and, and part of the big thrust throughout Proverbs is to speak against laziness. Some of my favorite Proverbs are are the ones that talk about not being lazy. And so you'll find the the word lazy come up often, but Proverbs also uses words like slothful or sluggard, one of my favorite words. And, and, And Proverbs also will often use humor to talk about what you shouldn't do to be lazy. So some of my favorite Proverbs, like Proverbs 19.24, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. So you are so lazy that you'll dip your hand in for food and be like, I can't even Ah, feed myself. Or perhaps Proverbs 26, 14 is more funny to you. As a door turns on its hinges, 
so does a sluggard on his bed. <laughs> right? So as a, you know, just back and forth. Uh, uh, this is what I'm known for, just turning over in bed. That's the picture of what it is to be a sluggard, according to Proverbs. And then Proverbs 6, verses 6 and following. And this one has a little bit more meat to it. I'll put it up on the screen behind me. And I know my dad quoted this one when I was a teenager, for sure. It says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O oh sluggard? Said my dad every Saturday morning. When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So yes, there is this warning against laziness that is pervasive throughout Proverbs with all of these wonderfully humorous ideas of being too lazy to feed yourself or being known for turning yourself over in bed. But the reason there is this warning, why this is an issue that's, that's large enough to, to have so many instances in this book, is that to be lazy will be unwise because it leads to poverty. That eventually if you live your life not trying to get away from work, wanting to only serve yourself and, and what you want out of life, is it will lead to poverty and, and not necessarily just financial poverty. Proverbs is speaking of this holistic idea of poverty. That if you live a life of true laziness, it could lead to physical unhealthiness. It could lead to uh, battles with mental health through anxiety or depression. It can lead to you being dependent on others for the things you need in life. It will not lead you to a life that you truly want to live. And that's the, that's the problem or the deception of laziness. It, thinks you, it makes you think that this is the way that I want to live. And, and Scripture says, no, that's not true. It might seem that way. But over the course of time, you will not be fulfilled. It will lead to your own holistic poverty. And so the Bible teaches us to get to work, to not be lazy. But it's not just work. It's not just get off the couch and go get a job. It's not just clock in and, and do the, the minimum requirements of what's needed. No, we, we can learn the lesson from Proverbs that godly work is hard work. It's going above and beyond what's merely required. It's more than just clocking in, putting in time, or making sure the people around you are off your back because I'm doing what you've asked me to do. Now, I, I had the opportunity to do a few different summer jobs and learn many different lessons at, at all of them. And my final summer job, right after I graduated from Prov, is I went and worked for the city of Airdrie. And there's a lot of different stereotypes about city workers out there. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. A lot of shovel-leaning jokes. And so I was, I was interested. I'm like, hey, I wonder if any of these stereotypes are true. And let me set the record straight. They absolutely are. Working for the government is a nice way to make sure we just get done what needs to get done, not always anything extra. In fact, sometimes we go out of our way to do the least amount of work possible. So um, a lot of my coworkers would go to the bar on Thursday evenings. They had a lot of Thursday specials to get the weekend started early, which led to them feeling mm, not ready to, to roll up the sleeves and work on a Friday morning. And so there were a few places in the city where we knew we could park the truck on city property and no one could see us. There's a really prime spot right behind a convenience store where they couldn't see you from the highway and they couldn't see you from the 
from the, uh, from the houses, you're in this back alley. So we do our rounds and try to make sure on Friday morning that oh, no one's checking this spot, so we may as well hang out here for a little while. And, and that's what we do on, on Friday morning. Not a place where we were necessarily always working hard. So when I say that, that, that the Scripture is calling us to work, it's calling us to do more than just the minimum requirements. We are to be people who are known for working hard. Christ followers should be known for a work ethic that goes beyond just the minimum requirements. As Jordan shared during that prayer and share time, uh, Jason Giesbrecht lost his father unexpectedly here this last week. And I had an opportunity to meet with him and their family and to, to learn a bit more about his father, Jake. And the number one way that he is remembered and his family described him to me is he is someone who was a hard worker. He loved to work. He loved to work with his hands. He loved to work outside. And he couldn't put that part of who he was to the side. And as he got older and had some more physical limitations where his doctor and family would say, okay, you need to take it easy, he would go into a project and he'd say, I would just supervise. And he was able to do that for about two and a half minutes before he would roll up his sleeves and get to work. And I thought it was quite profound because this is how the family remembers him. And as I go and prepare for my sermon, I think, what a godly way to be remembered. As someone who was a hard worker because godly work is hard work. Yet Proverbs goes a step further and says that not only is hard work something that is God-honoring, it is actually required. Hard work is required. In the case of those who were learning from these Proverbs initially in the time of Solomon, hard work being required was just a fact of life. life. Because if you wanted to eat, you had to work hard. So if you wanted to survive, you had to work hard. It was work in and food out, right? I have to work in order to eat and I need to eat to survive. Therefore, I need to work to survive. And this idea, this fact of life shows up in the Proverbs as well. One example is Proverbs 16, 26. A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. So what's the motivation? What what drives us to be hard workers? In the life of of those who lived thousands of years ago, the motivation was just to, to make ends meet, just to survive, to make sure there was food on the table, to make sure your family was provided for. And there was this very real sense that if you didn't do that work, then you may not even survive. And in such a way, looking at the way their communities were, were, were set up and they had small towns gathered together often, then, then they, it had an impact on the entire community. There was no room for someone to, to freeload. Everybody needed to pitch in in order for this community to survive and thrive. Everyone needed to do it for themselves and for those around them. There was no room for error. Hard work was required or you went hungry. Now, our situation is different. We have a lot of things that were not available to those who were listening to these Proverbs originally, and it might seem to us that this requirement of hard work is no longer there. Seems like we have so many uh, safety nets. Like, wow, I could get this job and minimum, requ- uh, minimum wage keeps, keeps rising and, and there's always social assistance if need be. And there's so many ways to make sure that, that we have the food just at the supermarket and we don't have to work so directly on the fields and on the farms to get it. There are so many ways in which we experience luxuries that they didn't have. And it can lead us to believe falsely that hard work is no longer a requirement. But that is not true. 
Hard work is still required because we have been designed to work. The need and requirement for hard work is hardwired into us. It is still a necessary part of the human experience. And while that direct motivation to either work or die might not seem the same to us, our design as human beings has never changed. And it all spurs from this understanding of creation. The the theology of creation is what was behind the theology of these Proverbs, and it's still behind our theology of work today. And if we go back to the very, very beginning of Scripture, which is God's Word, and He has revealed who He is to us, His character and His nature, the very first lesson we learn about God is that He went to work. He rolled up his sleeves and out of nothing created everything. And out of this chaos, he enforced order. And then out of his image, he created human beings. God worked. That is the first thing we learn about him. And and that is still the design that we have today. And if we look at the way that David and the other psalmists describe creation, they will often talk about it as the work of or the works of God's hands. He, he did this. He accomplished it. Our God is a God who works, and therefore he, we are also designed as people made in his image, as people who are designed to work. Not only this beautiful design of God, but we also read just, unfortunately, a few chapters after that, in which sin enters the world, And now human beings have been cast out of the garden. And part of the consequences of that is this knowledge that now and forever until Christ comes again, that toil, labor, and work are all part of what it will be necessary for us to do in order to make this earth and this experience on this earth work for us. So whether it's from this divine uh, image bearing or whether it's the necessity of the fall, hard work is still required. It is not optional, but it can honor God, and honor those around us. And that should still be motivation. This is not optional. But we ought not to take this idea too far. Do not want anyone to leave here and think, wow, hard work is, godly work is hard work. Hard work is required. So I'm going to double down. I'm going to spend more time at work. I'm going to put in more hours. I'm going to cut back on on free time and family time. No, no, no. This is not some sort of invitation to become a workaholic. Taylor did a great job of reminding uh, reminding us of this earlier. That if we keep creation in mind as our guide and design for work, then we also see God demonstrate and command regular rest. At the end of six days of hard work, God rested. And he has designed us to work, and he's also designed us with a regular pattern of rest. And so you may have heard the saying, work hard, play hard. And that might not jump off the page to you as a Christian saying, but it's not too far off the mark. Really, the, the biblical way of saying it would be work hard and rest hard. Make sure that you prioritize a regular rhythm of rest. And again, not just sleeping, not just relaxing, but resting in Christ and resting in his word and resting in prayer, resting in worship, resting with your family. So what do you do to rest? Find a hobby Protect your schedule. Make sure that that rest gets in there as a priority and prioritize your family. Follow God's example. Work hard and rest as well. Hard work is still a requirement. But that might boil it down to just a duty or an obligation, which in and of itself may not be the most motivating for us. 
But not only is hard work required, it is also rewarding. At the heart, hard work is worth it. The proverb that I point us to here is Proverbs 13.4, which says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. What does this proverb say? Well, it recognizes that no matter who you are, we all have hopes and dreams and desires. And as Christ followers, we know that God has hopes and dreams and desires for our life as well. And when we prayerfully discern where those overlap, we have goals that we want to achieve. And the way that we get to achieve those goals is through hard work. That's the path. That's the avenue that can move us from point A to point B. And so if, whether you are a diligent worker or whether you are a sluggard, according to this proverb, we all have these desires. And one group can find them being met, and the other group will always be lacking. What does this mean? Does this mean that somehow if you work hard, you please God, and he'll bless you with these goals? I don't think that's what the proverb is saying. Does it mean that if somehow you are lazy, that you will now um, tick off God and he says you are not getting these goals? No. What it's saying is that you have a, a role to play and that role is hard work and that as God gives you these desires, you can help work to see them come to fruition. So no matter what age you are, no matter what stage of life you are, I want you to think right now, where do you believe God wants you to be in five years, 10 years? 20 years down the road. What dream or desire has God given you? Now, what are you doing? How are you working to achieve these goals? Because if we do not put in the work, then these desires will be there and they will always be unfulfilled. Hard work can be rewarding. And in many ways, it can be its own reward and teach us these lessons as well through experience. I only gave you half of my City of Airdrie work experience story. What happened is later on, near the end of the summer, mid to late August, all of the work of cutting the grass really slows down because things don't grow as fast at the end of August. And so that was known as the most relaxed time. We could just go paint some posts brown and take our time doing it. It was great. But in those most relaxed time of the summer, uh, the city came to me and they knew that I had landscape construction experience from a previous job. They were, they were doing this new development in the city and they wanted to do landscape there so that they could enter this competition. And so they said, would you spend your last few weeks working over here? And I said, sure, I'd do that. And it was very different work. It was much more challenging. It was harder work. But at the end, they presented me with a, with a pen and with a t-shirt and they wrote my name down on the special book to acknowledge that, that Andrew Dick had gone above and beyond the necessary line of duty. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. And it felt rewarding. It felt rewarding. It was relatively small. It's a small thing to be recognized. It's a small thing to have a, a pen. It's a small thing to have a shirt. But as a younger person still learning the value of hard work, I learned that hard work is rewarding. And you all have stories in your life where you have been taught the same lesson. Many of you are working hard right now. I was chatting with Landon the other day, and Landon's in university, just finished his first semester in the engineering program. And I said, Landon, how's school going? And he says, you know what? It's a breeze. I mean, everything was super easy. I barely had to lift a finger. All my time, so much free time. It was unreal. 
this engineering thing is going to be a breeze. And so I, I went to talk to my friend Myron, who's been an engineer for decades. I said, how is this thing working out for you? He's like, well, I really got into the field because of how easy it was. You know, and it asks very little of me, all this travel across the, the country to do my job. And my family's had very few sacrifices along the way. And then Myron said, go Cowboys. And so none of, these, none of these conversations actually happened. I'm not sure if you picked up on that. I actually did talk to both of them, but uh, they didn't say those things to me. <laughs> Truth be told. Uh, Landon, Landon's working hard. He's working really hard to be an engineer, and I know that once he gets to be an engineer, he's going to work hard again. But I will say this to you, Landon, that one day you'll get that really fancy, cool, little, somewhat weird ring on your finger that only engineers are allowed to have. And you'll remember all of those times that you were pulling your hair out as a student. And you'll be like, hey, you know what? It was worth it. Because hard work is rewarding. And it's rewarding for our other students in high school and in university now. It's rewarding to all of us. It is rewarding to look out at a, harvest, a freshly harvested field after you've toiled for a whole season to farm and to feed people around the world. It is rewarding to watch students graduate when you've invested in them as a teacher or an EA or a school administrator, right? especially when some of those students are your own kids. It is rewarding to see those pounds drop with month after month of healthy eating and exercise, all that hard work. It is rewarding when you are a stay-at-home parent to watch your kids grow in the stature and maturity of Jesus Christ as you pour your life into them. It is rewarding to get scholarships with the good grades that you get in high school to go above and beyond this, what was necessary. It's rewarding to achieve victory on the court or the field after all those hours of practice as a team. No matter what area of life we find ourselves working in, hard work is rewarding. And you don't have to just take my word for it. You don't even have to take Proverbs' word for it. You know it's true because you've experienced this in your life. Never forget it. Hard work is rewarding, yes, but it is only rewarding when it is work worth doing. And perhaps there's no greater work worth doing than serving God and pointing other people to him. This is another lesson that I learned as a high school student on a missions trip to Peru. We did some construction there for an orphanage building, and it was really hot. And we worked a full day in the blazing sun. And as an 18-year-old kid, I came back to camp at the end of that day, and I felt fantastic. And it made no sense to me. I'm like, why in the world would I feel so good after spending that many hours working that hard for people I don't even know? And God told me very clearly, he says, that, that's it. That's why. You didn't do this for itself. There is a reward in serving God and serving others. And I can't explain it. I only encourage you that as you serve and as you find opportunities to serve, I promise you that you will find that same fulfillment, that same reward to serve God and to serve other people. And so many of you are doing this and are doing this in the context of our church. There's hours and hours and hours of work that you do without any pay. <laughs> and you do it for others. You do it for the Lord. You do it for his kingdom. And that is rewarding. And the rewards that come here, the fulfillment that we feel, the lives that can be changed in, in some small way because of what we are able to do to cooperate with God's saving work, which brings lives to him for all eternity. All of that has a little bit of a reward, but it's truly the eternal reward that will be worth it, where we can all strive to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
And to serve God does not require you to become a pastor and to stand on stage. It can be done in all of these things, like greeting people who walk through those doors and teaching kids about Jesus and making sure that all the media just works the way that it's supposed to work and investing in our students. All of these things that you are doing, all of these ways you are serving God, all of these ways you are looking for that eternal reward. Here's the beauty of work as described in Scripture. And we're going to take a little foray out of Proverbs here to finish up this thought. Go to Colossians. And, and the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he's saying, uh, he's talking about household rules. He's saying wives and husbands should, should, should interact this way and, and children should obey their parents and parents should not provoke their kids. I always skip over that one. And then he says, slaves obey your masters. Slaves obey your masters. I'm like, wow, that's hard. And then he goes on to say this about the work that's true of slaves. He says, whatever you do, this is Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily. Work hard. As for the Lord and not for men. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. You might be making pizza. You might be working a high school job where you're just doing a, you're a cashier. You might have a, a job that you just really don't like, but you don't know what else you could do. You can say, how is this rewarding? How is this hard work? Well, if this is true of, of slaves, it's true of us all. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So can I boil this whole sermon down to one sentence? Whenever you work for, you are working for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your motivation. He is the one you seek to please. And he is the one who will give you all the rewards you need and more. Not just in this life, but the life to come. It doesn't matter what your job is. It matters how you do it. It matters who you do it for. And we can all strive to hear those words when we are called home. Well done, good and faithful servant. So the music team is going to come. We're going to sing another song together. I want to remind you, look to the ant, oh sluggard. <laughs> Don't be lazy. Godly work is hard work. And hard work is both required, necessary, and rewarding. It is worth it. So here's what we have for our word to the wise today. Hard work honors you, your community, and God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, gather to, today to worship you. We acknowledge all the things that you have done, and part of what that acknowledges is, is your work of creation, that you are a God who works. You brought all this to be, and you are a God who still works. You are hard at work on our behalf, and God, for that we say thank you. We thank you for doing this. We thank you for modeling this and designing us to be the same. So God, I pray that we would be people who know, are known for hard work, good work ethic, not to please others, not to just achieve what we want to achieve, but ultimately to please you. God, you are our audience of our worship and our work. You are the source of the rewards that we need more than anything else. May we continue to work for you and rest in you this day, this week, this month, and this year to come. Amen. Thank you.